It can be a slow process, it can be a hard process, but sooner or later that connection can be powerful. We can't give up hope. If we give up hope, what hope does the person with a broken spirit have? Thank you for joining us for Effective Heart Change, the podcast that will discuss how to apply faith principles to real-life situations. This is Effective Heart Change. Well, it is good to be here with Effective Heart Change. Welcome, Dale. Thanks. I, I look forward to it, honestly. It, uh, it's been a good experience to get back together with you in a, a little different format, but uh, some of my best uh, memories of exchanges, uh, and you've had a very good influence on me, so thank you. Well, thank you. I, I, I enjoy. I mean, you, you're not afraid to mix it up with me, and that's one of the most powerful things. I, I, I like people to challenge me. I'm, it's not like I have this set of ideas and you are going to hear me out. It's like, let's talk about these things. Well, you got plenty of ideas to talk about. <laughs> I do have ideas to talk about. In the last segment, we talked about step-by-step and spiritual foundation, and the key to most of those steps is the receiving process. If the receiving process isn't working, I'm not going to thrive. I'm not going to get where I need to go. And so then I began to ask myself, what blocks receiving? And then I came across this verse, and it's Proverbs 18, 14, and it says, the spirit of a man will sustain him in sickness, but who can bear a broken spirit? And that verse just captured me. It captured my thinking. And from there, I began thinking about receiving. Wow, a person who has a broken spirit, they can no longer receive. They can't drink in. So how would you minister to a broken spirit? And from there, I began exploring this series, and I began to realize that, oh, wow, there's all kinds of things that shut down the ability to receive. And we've obviously been through some of them. Some of them go back to just not being spiritually aware. If you're not spiritually aware, if, if you're kind of shut down in the mechanisms, you never really develop those things because you were maybe just put down and in self-hatred or struggled with self-worth or whatever, the messages going back and forth kind of kept me in a shutdown, inability to receive kind of a mode. You know, all kinds of things can happen to shut down the receiving process, but this one's the big one. This is the one that, that really got me started thinking about all of this. A broken spirit, who can sustain it? Who, who can live through a broken spirit? Somewhere along the line, uh, I was in a teaching, under a teaching, and the person said, use that verse, that the spirit of a man, and, and I'm thinking, okay, uh, so everybody has a spirit. That was my question, and and he went forward and verified that. But then he made the statement that the Holy Spirit communicates with your spirit, and when they're when you're in agreement, when we when we're in agreement with the Holy Spirit with our spirit, then there's wide open progress. And, and so when you read that verse, that's what struck me, is that a man's spirit, in my own spirit, 
Uh, I'm capable of some stuff, but there's other stuff that I need help with, lots of other stuff that I need help with, and that's where I need that connection with the Holy Spirit. And not just the Holy Spirit, but people. I mean, much of what we're supposed to do is done in connection. It's done in partnership with people. So if I have a broken spirit, I'm not only cut off from God, I'm cut off from people. Now, let's explore this definition just a little bit, because one thing people will often think about, they'll think about being frozen, for example. Mm -hmm. We just came out of talking about trauma. And with trauma, you've got fight, or you've got flight, or you've got frozen, and you've got these different responses. And so someone might think, well, if I'm in a frozen condition, then I am in this place of a broken spirit, and I'm going to say no. When you're in a frozen spirit, you're at least at a point where you're probably formulating things. I mean, your, your actions are stopped. You're kind of there, but the mind is still going. If I'm in a fight zone, I've still got passion. I've still got fire. I'm not shut down. I'm not stopped. I'm, I'm not at this place of hopelessness that's just, ugh, you know, yeah. it's just stopped and shut down, and there's just nothing there. You're not in that. It can't get any worse than this, and then it does. <laughs> so uh, that, that hole we find ourselves in and, and are in deep despair is more what you're describing than, than just that temporary halt. Uh, if, if I'm ready to fight, I'm looking for a, a, an opening, and and so I'm I'm stopped, yes, but I'm still looking to progress. But this is like an end of a rope thing, and and you run out of rope and and you can't see anywhere to go. That's the way it sounds to me. Is that close? You're in the right ballpark, but I want to differentiate just a moment. Okay. You've got a person who's lost somebody, mm-hmm. and so I'm going to put maybe this isn't the right word, but temporarily. They're thrown into that deep despair. They're thrown into that deep grief, that deep hopelessness. Anybody that has traumatic events in their life will have those moments where they have a broken spirit temporarily because they've gone through a trauma. They've gone through something that's incredibly difficult. But to differentiate, a person with a broken spirit either never developed the worth or they had a series of traumas and trials that have just so completely destroyed their self-worth that their grief is, in a sense, toward life. Their grief is, in a sense, toward anything and everything. If I've just come out of a traumatic death, I have a temporary condition, and there's a point at which I can hopefully restore relationships and develop a hope and develop a future, and, and, and I've, been, I've been pounded on, but I'm not done. A broken spirit is a person who's just done. I'm thinking it's a good time to share this. This is something I wrote. uh, Mutual friends. uh, One I was closer to than the other, but I met the the second friend through the first friend, and we did things together. And I didn't live in the same city, so it was different. But anyway, our friend, and his nickname was Bull, uh, all of a sudden, in our eyes, he committed suicide. And my friend Jim called me to let me know that, but the call was he, because he thought I was enough like Bull that I might do the same thing. 
So I ended up writing something, and, and you mentioned hope. And what of hope? What becomes of the dreams that can light the darkest night, the bleakest days, redeem? Is it lost or just somehow misplaced? And is there a life without it? Is that something I could face? I just don't know. And, and, and that was a response. It's, it's that uh, the end of the road, end of the rope, loss of hope. Where do you go from there? And, and uh, Bull chose his way out as suicide. And when you're dealing with someone who has this loss of hope, loss of value. I mean, loss of hope and loss of value to me are a little bit different. I, I can have temporary loss of hope, mm -hmm. as we've been talking about. But when you add loss of hope to loss of value, now it becomes deep. And how do we reach out to that? How, how do we help that kind of a person? We're deep enough into this segment that I think this might be a good break point. We'll talk about how to minister to a person who's in this place in the next segment. We're back with Effective Heart Change, talking about kind of a heavy topic today. Uh, you brought up a, a friend that had, that had committed suicide and broken spirit. That can lead to this kind of a thing because it's such a loss of hope in combination with a struggle with self-worth. How do we get there? How do we minister to it? Let's start with how do we get there. Part of what can hit people, obviously, are the traumas of life. But even before that, and we've talked about that during this series, even before that, as babies, you know, some of the sick experiments that were done in the World War II era where you literally don't touch them, you just give them physical nurture and the babies just died. Because without the human touch, without the human interaction, they didn't develop that sense of worth. And so you've got this extreme loss of, of, of hope in combination with loss of worth, and that's where you really get a broken spirit. You can have tragedies that happen to a person, and you can have temporary stuff. And we talked about that last time. The solution to much of the trauma is actually what I called spiritual soaking. And I'm going to use that same term right here. If you want to reach into the life of a person, if you jump in and you're, you're too fast, too hard, same thing with a grief person who's lost someone that, that is very near and dear to them, usually the worst thing you can do is come in just sputtering hope and promises and life's going to get better and I know what you felt and you know all of the different stuff that people say that's kind of like, would you just stop? Yeah, that was one, one of the things you said. I know just how you feel. How many times have you heard that? And and I know from my own experience, my, my thought is, no, you don't have any idea. Uh, just that, that reminder, I think, is valuable to point out because we do speak, shoot first and ask questions later, you know, the kind of idea. That, and in doing that, uh, we're not doing anybody any good. That person with a broken spirit, they don't believe. 
they don't believe they can accomplish. So if you bring hope, with hope is expectations, so they're not feeling hope. They're feeling the expectations. They're feeling their own brokenness. They're feeling their own incapacity. So you coming in with your positivity and your encouragement, all of that, it actually is a negative that drives them deeper into the hole. Last time I used the term spiritually soaking, literally being able to show up and in deep grief this works, or it also works with a broken spirit, just to be able to show up with literally no expectations. Presence. Just show up, be present. Yeah. And it might be bring them a meal and they're like, well, I don't feel like eating or whatever. Okay. But you, you show up, you, you come, you're present, you're no expectations, you're there, you're loving on them, you're, you're walking it through one step at a time. There has to be some degree of spiritual soaking, and you also have to realize that much of what you bring is just, it's like a rock, it's just water falling down on that rock, and it's just going to run off, and you can't get angry about that, you can't get disappointed about that. You've got to understand the only thing that's going to help this person is that gentle soaking over a period of time. That's what'll start waking up that broken spirit. What do you say about a touch? Touch can go either way. That's what I was thinking. But, uh, but there are people that, and I, I suppose relationship has a lot to do with that. If you, someone you know, uh, that may be very meaningful. If it's someone you don't know, that it's probably going to make it worse. Think about touch for a moment and all the different meanings of touch, especially if the broken spirit has come out of abuse and oh, yeah. sexual abuse yeah. and et cetera, and they're, they're used to violent touch, et cetera. Touch is like totally counterproductive at that point. There are other people who were never touched. They were never, I mean, that, that kind of interaction wasn't a part of their life, and they're starving for it, and so the right kind of touch actually can be very helpful. So there's not an answer to that question. It's every situation is individual, and you, hopefully you're in contact with God and you're sensing the Holy Spirit and being guided because there isn't an answer to that question. But the main thing that I would say is you're, you're able to come. This is probably a person who either lacked nurture at a high degree, or there was some level of trauma imposed over an extended period of time. And both of those things are like totally opposite in terms of how I respond to the person. I, I guess there's a title of a song that comes to mind, Fools Rush In, and, and we need not do that. Uh, don't be the fool and rush in. Go in slow go uh, and tenderly and, and with with open ears more than, than anything else, and an open heart, obviously. Uh, but uh, we, tend to, we tend to push our own agenda the way we think we ought to, they ought to handle it. And, and they need to come to the conclusion, not us. One of the things that creates this broken spirit is successive traumas. So a person goes through that, they go through different things. And it's almost like then they develop this attitude towards life, and then I'm going to translate it to the next level. They develop this attitude towards God, and it's like, well, God must hate me. Life must hate me. And in, a, in another segment, we're going to talk about turning it inward and some of those kinds of things. 
But all of these are different things that can create this broken spirit where life is hopeless, I can't get any better. And the biggest thing you can do is, is as you said, presence. You show up and then you work it out from there. I can think of one specific instance, now that you've brought it up, where literally I don't even remember doing it, but I hug people, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's forbidden, you know, et cetera. But I hugged someone, and that person to this day, just over and over again, that hug just, on the one hand, it was unsettling. It messed with his world. It, it just, it kind of, everything was thrown into a fit. But on the other hand, it triggered something in a positive way because he just hadn't known positive touch. So that goes back to what you're saying. Yeah, sometimes just being there, sometimes maybe a touch on a safe place with a prayer, just silence and being there, offering sustenance. There's a lot of different things, but we've got to reach into the heart of that person if we're going to make a difference with someone who struggles with a broken spirit. It's all about them at the point, at the entry point. You really have to see them and hopefully start valuing them right there. Yeah. Well, let's take a break and we will continue after these questions. One of the things that hit me when you were in, in the later sex, section of what you were saying, uh, was how uh, we get these expectations and and we build on them. We get to expect this. This is going. This is how people are going to treat me. This is this is how I'm going to be received. This is how God treats me, and and it goes from bad to worse to awful to no hope. What you're talking about there, I'm going to call a wounded spirit. Okay. And a wounded spirit is actually a big part. It can be a precursor uh, to a broken spirit. Sometimes a broken spirit starts at the very young years, and so it's not necessarily wounded. It's inattention. I never received. I never received value. But if you've got that whole idea of a wounded spirit to where, I mean, you've just been pounded over and over and over again. At some point, that becomes a life message. I grow up in that environment, and the life message of murder, the life message of rape is you are of no worth. Me, my goals, our goals, they're far more important than you are as a human being, so I'm going to run over you. I'm going to destroy you because you have no worth. Violence, and as I said, rape, etc. These things destroy the worth of the individual, and a broken spirit is very much tied to people who struggle with worth. In the process of, of this violence, is part of, if, I, if I'm the perpetrator, uh, I'm trying to steal or take away what I'm lacking, Kind of idea. If if I've if I have a place of of uh, that's empty, and and my self worth is 
little bit of nothing am, is 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 my violence a, an attempt to steal from someone else or is it a projection what I would actually agree with that I think most of the time when you see violence it is I I think worth self-worth purpose meaning these are words that are the deepest part of our essence and many times yes that's exactly what's going on and we'll actually explore that to a greater degree in the next program when I'm talking about shutdown. So I'll kind of set that one aside. I want to actually come back to what I talked about, which was rape. And sexuality is one of the ways that we try to feel worthwhile. Sex sets off levels of hormones inside of you to where there's, there's a feeling of connection, there's a feeling of power, there's a feeling of pleasure. If you think about the hormonal things that are going on, well, then you get into where one person is exploiting another person, very similar to what you just said, for the sake of power, and they don't realize it, but for the sake of worth, you cannot steal the worth of another person in that way and feel worthwhile over a longer term period. It, it just doesn't work that way. Comes back to haunt you. Oh, absolutely. It comes back to haunt you. So what has happened in our culture, we've had less and less people being nurtured in this worth area, more and more broken families, significant individuals who should be pouring value into people aren't there, which again takes away self-control, makes people who are struggling with, with this worth area, I want to do something to immediately feel strong to immediately feel something inside of me, and perverse sexuality is the outcome of that. It's, it's an outcome. It's an attempt for me to feel valuable. It's an attempt for me to feel worthwhile. And then let me up the ante once more. Then in perverse sexuality, what happens? It gets intertwined with violence. It gets intertwined with pain. And it's kind of like you know a, a logical person on the outside would look at that and go, excuse me? Uh, do you understand how sick that is? Do you understand how foolish that is? Do you understand how destructive that is? And yet in the pornography world and in the, frankly, somewhat accepted zone of life today, we defend that as being a normal, proper lifestyle. I'm, I'm thinking internet right now and, and uh, how... Uh, these feelings aren't new feelings. I mean, sexuality is, uh, it's always been an issue, good, bad, indifferent. Uh, but with, with the internet, uh, I think it's poured gasoline on the fire. And, and you're able to uh, access sexuality, at least visually, which is enough to drive uh, well, it's it's a problem. It's a big problem, and 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 people getting on the internet, and and then in in quote real life, acting out some of the issues that they they are fanning and feeding by by viewing things and and even connections, uh, texting back and forth to someone you've never met, and 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 so I think that's just exacerbated the, the whole issue and made it a problem that's gigantic. 
Well, the risk-taking, the living on the edge, the, the adrenaline junkies, you know, all of that sort of stuff, it's an attempt for me to feel powerful, for me to feel meaningful. So I go there, and then when I see the destruction that I'm creating, or if I'm on the other end, and I'm being victimized by that, now tell me life doesn't become even more hopeless. Tell me I don't end up in an even more broken state. And so we have this thing, and it's just compounding in our society at an incredible level. We start with a wounded spirit, which leaves us with a level of utter hopelessness. And then we we lash out and we jump into these other behaviors, which give us a temporary fix. It's, it really is equivalent to drug addiction. It gives you a temporary fix, and then I need more and more, and I need to push it farther and farther. And we're getting into a situation where you've got broken spirit after broken spirit, and many of them aren't at that state of hopelessness where they're doing nothing. Many of them are going into different forms of perverse behaviors just to try to feel alive, but it's a matter of time before they hit that, that depression and that suicide, and guess what? Those numbers are off the charts. Um, there are any headlines every, every week, at least, and probably more often. Uh, someone of note of higher reputation, uh, it becomes uh, public knowledge that they've been molesting Clients or other athletes it's, it is the current one that I see a lot of. And uh, in, in the end, they commit suicide to, to uh, avoid facing up. Well, I guess that they think they're facing up to it by bailing out. But uh, that's just a current example of, of somewhat of what we're talking about. And this is all a part of the mix of a broken spirit. Sometimes it is just that depressionary hole where I crawl in the hole and you're coming and you're, you're seeing that person who is experiencing extreme grief and they're, they're laying there. But we can't live that way. So that person's either going to lay in that hole and die, which in a form, you know, in its own form is a form of suicide, or then they're going to do something to lash out. That's not a good solution. The only quality solution is what I talked about, which is spiritual soaking, coming alongside, reestablishing connections, pouring a sense of worth into people. That is hard work because it is. It's, it's water poured out on a rock, and you've got a person who basically is rejecting a lot of what you're trying to bring, how you're trying to help them. That's, that's hard. In the next segment, we're going to step it up another step of a whole group of people with a broken spirit that, wow, they really, they're actively rejecting what you're trying to bring. But let's take a few moments to talk about where we've been in this segment. Again, we've covered a lot of ground, and then we'll continue. I just want to read, I, I, we've got notes that I'm working off from, and I, I did this in written form before we did the video form, so I want to read this. A final kind of broken spirit is the person who has made himself the enemy 
or decided that he has damaged goods and therefore cannot carry out any positive purpose in life. Simple language, self-hatred. There are people who I talked about earlier in case of trauma, they almost make God the enemy or they make life the enemy and something out there is victimizing me. And because something out there is victimizing me, then I have no hope. And, and so that's one kind of a person with a broken spirit that you're coming alongside and you're trying to say, no, God is not like that. And not all people are like that. And, and so you're working with that. But I think it's even harder when a person makes themselves the enemy. I am damaged goods. I am hopeless. There is nothing I can do. When they're in that state and self-hatred has taken over the core of their person, that kind of broken spirit is extremely hard to reach into. Another expression comes to mind, the last chapter of what's the use. Uh, get to the point where everything appears to be anti-me. And, and I get to the point where I, said, I, I believe that. It's, it's a faith. I've, I've put my faith in the fact that I'm worthless and, and I'm hopeless. And there's nobody out there that can help me. And even if they could, they, they're not interested because I'm worthless. So that, that's the last chapter of What's the Use? Well, and in the last segment, I talked about perverse sexuality and I talked about violence. That, this, this is part of that. It's almost impossible to jump into those kinds of things if there isn't some of this going on in self. If I'm going to treat other people that way, it almost has to come out of a view of self that's, well, that's, that's just who I am. That's just what I'm going to be. That's Boy, how, how many times have you heard that? Mm -hmm. I, that's just who I am. You know, it's, it, it's reasonable that I do, and, and it isn't necessarily. So a broken spirit can come from the outside. It can come from traumas. It can come, you know, from lack of the outside, i.e. just never really grew up, never got my worth ministered to. But at some point, we have the power. We have the power to decide these things, and when I start creating those judgments of self about me, then I've got this filter going on, and that's one of the topics that we talked about in receiving. We talked about a good eye or a bad eye. In this case, it's definitely a bad eye where life is being seen from this perspective. How do you get that person to cooperate with you, to begin to speak different things, to begin to hear different things, to see different things, because that's what's going on. It's not outside stuff, it's inside stuff. I gotta get you to cooperate with me in a way we can hopefully get better. But the reality is they have to be able to step outside themselves. And so there, there's the key, so how does that happen? Well, that's where I go back to everybody has all kinds of different spiritual sectors. Very few people are in total shutdown, brokenness everywhere in every part of their lives. So the good news is most people have a sector left. Let me ask, ask if uh, God has a way of being able to reach you. Is that what you're saying? 
when I hear you say that, I'm I'm going to go. Actually, one of the ways God can almost escalate the woundedness area. Well, uh, he has a way in. Which, if you go back to that, if you've got anger, if you've got fight, if you've got flight, there's still life there. I yeah. can work with that. I can yeah. channel it. I can direct it. So that's one of the ways. But what I'm talking about is we, we've got all, this person, and you've got all these different sectors. And this is why the worst condition of all of them is not the anger, it's not the violence, it's not even the perverse sexuality. The worst of them is just if a person had zero interactions growing up. Without those interactions, there's no worth. But almost all of us have at least had negative interactions with people. So those negative interactions have laid down areas and there's woundedness, and a lot of times that woundedness is, is my pathway in and I can begin to deal with the anger, and, and, and I can do that. Most people also have some other area that's just still viable, where you and I can talk of, well, yeah, I, I, I do like to do things with my hands. Okay, let's start there. You know, almost everybody has an access point of some kind, some place where there's still a little bit of worth, a little something going there. And that's the connection point, and we start at that particular place. I guess my basic question was, is there a point in the time God gives up on you? I'm going to say no in terms of God. Well, I think that's important because I think that is the answer. The the answer lies in that that connection, your spirit with the Holy Spirit, and... and, uh, there, there are verses in the Bible that make you get, could give you the idea that God just, that's it. Uh, but I don't believe that. I, that's not the God that I, 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 as I understand. I work with broken people, and in some cases, extremely broken people. And I just, as an attitude, as, as a ministry objective, I, I refuse to give up. Now, here's what I've also learned. I've learned that my ability to impact you is no greater than the authority that you give me, the authority to speak into your life. So I know that at any given point, I may or may not be able to help you. And I've gotten to where I'm okay with that, but part of how I've gotten there is I see people come back around. Mm -hmm. So I sow whatever life I can in today. I, I, I connect in whatever way I can today. I work with what I'm given that opportunity today. And if people harden their heart, they harden their heart. If they walk away, they walk away. I know that I'm powerless at certain points of view, but I don't give up hope because I've seen too many of them come back around on a later point. You come in peace. Uh, you offer what you have. You're not cramming it down. You come because you're, you're interested in them, and you're interested in giving what you can give to improve the situation. And whatever the result of that, you can walk away from that with the sense of, okay, I did what I could do. And then you wait to see what happens. One of the principles that governs my life, I, I believe that heart change comes through heart choice. I cannot impose life onto you or into you. So I come with my hands out, offering something, that's it. And at some point, if you're not willing, we're talking this segment about the person who's got that self-hatred point of view. I can offer it, nope, pushed away. I can offer it, pushed away. I can offer it, pushed away. 
Sometimes the third time, the fourth time, the 15th time, the 72nd time, the person is finally willing to receive it. Those are the different sectors that I talk about. You have all of these different dynamics about your person, and at some point you're finally willing. Maybe this little sector was finally willing to embrace, connect, and receive. That starts the process. And it can be a slow process, it can be a hard process, but sooner or later that connection can be powerful. We can't give up hope. If we give up hope, what hope does the person with a broken spirit have? That's an incredible statement for you to think about. As you learn these principles and you apply them and you speak them and act them out in a way that touches people's lives, you can have a powerful impact on people. I hope you'll continue to join us and gather more tools and hopefully gather hope and a fire within you to touch lives for Jesus Christ. Video production, editing, and audio by Matthew. Set design and setup by Ashley. Content recorded live at Studio 104.